0: Hello, welcome to a Tuesday afternoon edition of Bill's Facebook Studies. Glad to have you joining me, either live or later, as I like to say. If it's 3 o'clock Central Time and you're joining in live on my Facebook page, then welcome. If you're watching a little bit later, either on our West Irwin Live Facebook page, West Irwin Church of Christ Facebook page, or at our website on our archives of our videos live streaming at westirwin.com, w uh, uh, dot com, and then click on the connect and scroll down to where it says live streaming. Click on that and then go down to where it says view archives. You can find these and other lessons, uh, including our previous Sunday's uh, worship service and sermons. And so lots to see there, but I do want to say welcome. Glad to have you today. Looking forward to the lesson today on Tuesdays throughout this year, actually. We have been looking through a daily devotional book uh, by Oswald Chambers, a classic uh, called My Utmost for His Highest. And today as we uh, get into December readings, uh, he talks a lot about repentance and the power of God. And so I wanted to share some of those thoughts and maybe add in a few of my own and a couple of scriptures as well. Uh, But he starts out with this scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Verse 10, godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. I think that's a great statement and that's a great passage from Second Corinthians 7 because he contrasts worldly sorrow with godly sorrow. And as it says here, godly sorrow leads to repentance, which then uh, leads to salvation. And worldly sorrow perhaps might be being sorrowful that you got caught, being sorrowful that you have to pay consequences, uh, being sorrowful that things didn't work out like you had hoped, whatever. Godly sorrow leads to repentance, and the root word repent means to change. And so, godly sorrow leads you to changing your life. And how does exactly does that work along with the power of God? seen in our salvation so that's what this lesson's about looking forward to sharing it with you Uh, one of the things about repentance is that it is absolutely necessary Uh, there are different uh, possibilities different thoughts about that and as we know there are different things that God calls us to do in response to the death of Christ and repenting is one of them Jesus said in Luke 13 3 talking about a story of some people from Galilee who had been killed. Uh, he says, unless you repent, you too will all perish. Unless you change, John the Baptist came with a message of change, repent. And I'll be talking about John the Baptist and preparing the way for the Savior this coming Sunday morning in our worship service. Uh, on the first day of the church, the day of Pentecost, in uh, the just less than two months after Jesus had been killed and raised from the dead, uh, there was a, uh, a outpouring of the Spirit in an extraordinary way on that day of Pentecost. And uh, they began to hear the gospel preached in their own languages by men who had never studied it. And after hearing the message of how they had convicted and killed the long-awaited for Messiah, uh, Savior, they asked the question, what should we do? And the answer came back, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there was, the response was to repent and to be baptized. Well, that repentance is what Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians 7, uh, being genuinely sorrowful in a godly way for the actions you have committed, you have done that were uh, contrary to God's will according to God's word. And they were, and 3,000 of them, and according to Acts 2, were baptized that first day of the church. And the church, as I like to say, was off and running. Well, Chambers has some thoughts about repentance and also has some thoughts about how God's power fits into this. And I think these two lessons are very appropriate to take together. Uh, He writes, conviction of sin is best described in the words, my sins, my sins, my Savior. How sad on thee they fall. You might remember that old hymn, My sins, my sins, my Savior. It's a it's a, a happy thought for us, but only because those sins were uh, caused to fall on our Savior. Isaiah 53, one of those great passages I'll mention Sunday, where Isaiah prepares the world for the Messiah, the Savior, uh, he t- reminds us that The Savior will be one on whom is given our punishment, by his stripes, his suffering, his beatings. We were healed and the chastisement for our sins fell upon him, Isaiah says. Conviction of sin is one of the most uncommon things that ever happens to a person, Chambers writes in a very challenging statement. But it is the beginning of an understanding of God. Uh, and I like what he says there. I think that that's true. I think we have a hard time coming to terms and acknowledging in a genuine way that we are uh, guilty of sin. And to be convicted of that is the first step towards coming towards repentance. Uh, we It affects our relationship with others, but it especially affects our relationship with God. David, when he became convicted of his sin, with Bathsheba and her husband Uriah that he had killed in battle so that he could marry the woman who was his, Uriah's wife, that David had slept with in an adulterous affair and was now carrying his child. Um, David, when he is confronted with that horrible, horrible, sinful activities by Nathan the prophet in Psalm 51, he pours out his heart to God And he says, against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. We could say that he sinned against Uriah, of course. We could say he certainly sinned against Bathsheba, overpowering her and taking advantage of her. Because as king, what was she going to say? No. Um, And also the nation of Israel uh, that had placed their trust in him as a godly man. Indeed, a man described as being after God's own heart. And yet David understood it well when he said, against you and you only God have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. Ultimately our sin is against God. Yes, there are others that face the consequences and I think AA and other uh, similar organizations are, are great in uh, causing us and calling us to, to make things right with people that have been wronged and have suffered because of our sin. Uh, but ultimately our sinful activity is uh, against God against the one who is righteous and holy. And so we go to him for with that repentance and seek his forgiveness. We may have to seek forgiveness of others as well. But first, we seek forgiveness from our God. The wonders of conviction of sin, forgiveness, and holiness are so interwoven that it is only the forgiven person who is truly holy. When we acknowledge our sins and we take them genuinely before God, And we respond in faith to the death, burial and resurrection of Christ by accepting his message, uh, believing that Jesus is the son of God, that he was crucified for our sins, that he was raised from the dead and uh, repenting, changing our lives because that's what we believe, confessing that faith so that others will know that we truly do believe that and then being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Of our sins, as Peter told them on that day of Pentecost in Acts 2. Uh, when we are able to do those things only because Jesus died for us, but when we respond in faith the way he has called us to do so, uh, then we recognize the value of repentance and how it leads us to holiness, to a life that's not lived in perfection according to the word of God, but is actually faithful, faithfully seeking God's will and seeking to do that ourselves, first of all, and then to share it with others. Uh, We prove our forgiven uh, nature by being uh, the opposite of what we were previously, living for God rather than ourselves, living according to God's grace rather than according to our own selfish desires. Uh, Repentance uh, is what causes a person to recognize that they have sinned and to seek God's Forgiveness in that sin and that we really mean it because that's godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow. Uh, We seek to be faithful to God and we seek to have God's will and God's son formed in us. Oswald Chambers writes, the old Puritans used to pray for, quote, the gift of tears, unquote. What a great statement, the gift of tears. God, give me the gift of tears. And that's not just to be able to cry, but to actually be able to mourn over our own sinfulness. And that can only be done when we are willing to acknowledge our sinfulness and to be convicted of that sin. Uh, And so we examine ourselves and we repent and we change our lives, but why does that do anything? Well, it only is powerful in our lives because of what God has already done. And that's how the power of God links with our call to repentance. Hebrews 10 verse 14 says, By one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Well, I think that's a that's a great, great statement. And another great statement is found in 2 Corinthians 5.21 when it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God." The writer of Hebrews says several times that God placed our sins upon Christ and that Christ died for our sins once for all. And it is because God laid on Him our sins and punished Him with the punishment we deserved that now repentance means something. Now there is the option to repent and to change and and it matter. Now there is an answer to the question, what must I do to be saved other than nothing? You can't do anything to be saved. And I can tell you, my friend, if Jesus hadn't come and been born in that humble way that the world celebrates this month, then I'm glad they do. Uh, if, if he hadn't lived that righteous, sinless life, if he hadn't given his life on the cross for us, if that tomb uh, was not empty today, then there would be no chance, there would be no answer to that question, what can I do, what must I do to be saved, except the answer, there's nothing you can do, you're condemned because of your sin. Uh, By one offering, God perfected forever those who are being made holy. Uh, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The only reason for the forgiveness of our sins by God, and the infinite depth of his promise to forget them, is the death of Jesus Christ. Uh, Isaiah prophesied, and the writer of Hebrews repeats it, I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. That's the statement of Jeremiah, rather, in Jeremiah 31. And it becomes the sermon text for one of the sermons that you find in the book of Hebrews. Uh, Not only uh, allowing God to forgive our sins, but also to have him forget them. That is his promise. What a great promise indeed. Uh, That is what we call the atonement of the cross. Jesus' eternal sacrifice for our sins by shedding his blood and giving his life on the cross. And now there is a response to that gospel of the death, burial and resurrection of Christ. Uh, that, God, that response is the response of faith, as I said earlier. Once we realize that Christ has done this for us, the limitless joy of God begins in us. Instead of just that sorrow for sin, that fear of death and of eternal punishment, there is uh, a limitless joy that God brings to us. And that we have because of our blessed assurance, we like to sing about uh, at church sometimes. No matter who or what we are, God restores us to right standing with himself only by means of the death of Jesus Christ. Chambers writes that and I agree with it 100%. Without the death of Christ, there's nothing any of us could do about our sinful nature, about our sinful life. But because of Jesus Christ, because he lived and died and was raised from the dead, um, there is something we can do. We can trust Christ. As the old song says, trust and obey, we can seek to live faithfully to him. We can be raised out of that watery grave of baptism, as Paul says in Romans 6 and in in Colossians 2, that we're buried with Christ and that we're raised up with Christ to live a new life. Uh, This is not a salvation we earn or deserve, but it is one that is a gift. Romans 6 verse 23 says the wages of sin is death. That's what we get if we deserve eternal death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have that because of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And we have that because we respond in faith. And that really begins with faith, believing in Jesus and repenting, changing our lives. But because Jesus died, that repentance can mean something. It can be a step towards our salvation and towards our living faithfully in the shadow of the cross. Uh, We are called upon to do the same thing that Peter called upon the people of his day when they were challenging him by how he raised a a lame man up when he was going into the temple, Peter and John in Acts chapter 3. As they brought them before the Jewish authorities and questioned them, how do you have the right to do this and you shouldn't be preaching in this name? Peter says, there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved except the name that has been given, Jesus Christ. Um, In him we have redemption through his blood. Paul says of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so Chambers finishes this section with these words God is just, righteous, in saving bad people only as he makes them good. Our Lord does not pretend we are all right when we are all wrong. The atonement by the cross of Christ is the propitiation God uses to make unholy people holy. And those terms atonement and propitiation point to Jesus giving his life and shedding his blood for us on the cross. It's what makes repentance powerful. And so when we hear that message of the saving grace of Christ and how he gave his life for us and shed his blood became sin so that we might become righteous. In the words of Second Corinthians 5 verse 21. Then we gladly come to God in humility confessing that faith and changing our lives, repenting of our sins, getting on a different path, and that path begins with Christian baptism, with dying to sin, that's another way of saying repent, dying to sin, being buried with Christ through baptism into death, and being raised to live a new life. I hope and pray that you've done those things. And I hope and pray that today and throughout this month as we hear these wonderful joyful songs of the birth of Jesus Christ which I'm so glad again the world celebrates but I hope that they turn us not just to the manger in Bethlehem but to the cross of Calvary on that fateful day when Jesus gave his all for us and point us to repentance to changing to giving our lives to him and living our lives for him. I pray that you'll be blessed this week and I look forward to seeing you for our class on Thursday.